This podcast is created in a house with animals. There is a one-eyed gray cat behind me who may turn into a raging asshole at any moment. That <laughs> leads me to. That leads me to the next statement, which is that we swear a lot. Oh, and uh, we've already pulled that that bandage off in the first uh looks like 10 15 seconds. So we're PG-13 so nothing explicit, but iTunes and the rest don't give us a choice much between clean and explicit and we ain't clean. True. And our grammar occasionally slides right into the pit. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 71. I'm actually really excited about uh, the interview a little later on this episode because I did it live at WindyCon. It was awesome. I had a great time. I had a wonderful time talking to everybody, uh, especially, you know, the audience and uh, Megan and Dee, who were the mother-daughter interview I did. Just so much fun, and I am eternally grateful to both of them. Also, I want to congratulate Dee, as later that evening, she was inducted into the Dorsi Irregular, so she's also our newest Dorsi Irregular. For those that don't know, I work with the Dorsi Irregulars as a volunteer at many different fandom events. I'm on their board of directors. I am learning to keep them organized, because the last time I was on the board of directors of a nonprofit. It didn't quite have the same amount of stuff to do. Yeah, but you also had a priest who called you and wanted an interview every day for like a, an hour. No, that, that that was when I was an elder in a church. Not, I, th- I thought that was the nonprofit. You oh, no, 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 no. That was technically, I guess, the second nonprofit I was in. The first nonprofit, I was the chair of the Triangle Linux Users Group. Oh. And they, I, I'm not going to say they had their stuff together, but I kind of... I still had that thing going on where if you want something done, you do it yourself, even though you've got people you can delegate to. See, also why I did not accept an art director gig once upon a time. Right. And I've had to learn to get past those trust issues. And that's that's something you've really got to work on. If you're going to be in any sort of leadership role, is the ability to say, you know what, I have all these things to do. And while that looks fun, or I want to make sure this is done exactly right to my exact specifications, you can't do it. You'll spend far too much time on that and not get done the things you need to get done. Instead, you'll spend all of your time on something that really it's better that you hand to someone else to take care of. And I will say, if you cannot do that, it is okay to step back. It is. I, uh, it is. A friend of mine back in the day rose to his level of incompetence, as it is <laughs> called. You know, he, uh, he was good at a thing, so they made him the team lead. And after about a year, he said, you have to make me not the team lead anymore. I am very good at this one thing I do. I am not good at overseeing people. And it's very hard to step mm-hmm. back from positions like that. And it really it's, is. It's frequently you can only do it by leaving the company. And even so, you know, things free often go bad. But I knew, I actually knew several people at IBM who had done something similar. They'd been there for, you know, 10, 15 years. They'd risen to like second or third line manager, which is, you know, high up in the, in the chain, uh, on an individual site. And they were just like, I, I can't, this is too much. I don't need to be doing this and step back either all the way down to individual contributor roles. One guy I knew was a brilliant programmer and he had been a manager and didn't want to be a manager anymore. And, uh, another, I think had gotten even higher up and went all the way back down to like, uh, the level one, like the, the manager that talks to the individual contributors like that, that very first layer. And it was, you know, interesting that IBM 
gave them that opportunity. You wouldn't think IBM would give someone that opportunity. But after they've invested so much in a person, they're, they don't want to let them go if they've got skills they want. Yeah. And that's usually a sign of a good workplace. Uh, my experience with IBM has been touch and go because it's so big and there are so many different managers in different areas that, you know, an adjacent group to yours might have an amazing manager and you've got the world's crappiest manager. Yeah, it's lots of big companies are like that. See also why I do not do anything like that right. because I, I cannot delegate. Mm-hmm. I can't even collaborate without intense physical pain. So, yeah, and there's there is if you're working with a group, there is I think a growth point where you have to make that transition from I'm the person who is both in charge and able to do everything to I'm the person who's in charge and I have other things I need to be doing, not this you know day to day minuta and. That's a really hard transition to make. Uh, oftentimes, you end up uh, companies will end up hiring someone to be the you know like the founder's boss because the founder isn't good at that second stage, at that step away and let other people do what he's been doing or they've been doing. Let's be fair, they've been doing. And it's also very true in nonprofits. It's very true in uh, fandom organizations. Uh, there is nothing more painful than to be at a convention where the staff loves it. They want things to continue, but the chair or the founder or someone who's been there a really long time won't let go or won't let people go. And so they're stuck filling in the gaps or they've got their fingers and everything or worse, they won't fire someone who's incompetent or has burned out and can't do the job anymore. And that's something you have to recognize as well in order to be, productive in order to get your stuff done you have to know when to let go and when to say no uh, i had a real problem with that at the very first nonprofit. Uh, the priest in question had a real problem with that at the church plant i was involved in it's something i've i've had to learn uh, even my uh, direct manager at a prior job not the first time had a real problem with you need to be focusing on manager and senior level stuff and letting the rest of us go about our business. Uh, he eventually burned out and left, right? So it's really it's really something you have to be keenly aware of is that there will always be a point where you need to let go and let somebody else do stuff. Or you can just arrange your life so that you don't. Well, yeah, or you just arrange your life so that you're never in that position of growth where you're overseeing people. <laughs> and I, for one, have done so. Yes, you have. You I have. Uh, I have realized that overseeing people gives me hives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I it is a thing I could undoubtedly learn. So is emu ranching and deep sea diving. I do not need to learn every skill that I could possibly learn. It's not like you have to fill out Heinlein's every human should be able to do this list. I can fill out, like, you know, two-thirds of it. Yeah. So, except delivering babies. You hire somebody else for that shit. I could probably do it in a pinch. Certainly much better than I could. You've been at deliveries. Yeah. I'd just be like, oh, crap. Uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, did, uh, hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, look at that. A baby wants to come out of you. I think you're supposed to push, but maybe you're not supposed to push until the pushing. You know, I'm going to go find somebody who knows what they're doing. What I will, what I will mention at this point is that human women have been having babies with or without medical assistance for 
hundreds of thousands of years. Yes, and they've been dying at shockingly high birth mortality rates. They have. This is very true. But in a pinch, nature will carry on. As long as everything is arranged properly and they don't get any of the 10 million problems that can arise. Or they get straight to emergency care as soon as... Yeah. Possible, yeah. Anyway. The moral of the story is we will not be assisting with a live birth on Productivity Alchemy nope. anytime soon. No, 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 mm-mm, nope. I also have discovered that if you ever want to make a con chair swear and come very close to leaping over the table and attacking you, oh, say yeah. innocently, you know, you haven't had anybody go into labor at your con yet. This is yeah. tempting fate so in a so. way that uh, Makes them they d- turn gray. <laughs> It gives them the heebie-jeebies. It's just, shut up, shut up, shut up! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyway, so I accomplished something this week. You did accomplish something this week. I had been working on a novella in my usual fashion of off and on for, what did I say, since 2015? Yeah. And so it's been three years, uh, a little over three years now, and I finished it Mm -hmm. yesterday. And I was very proud of myself because uh, it's one of those stories that I would like to finish before I die kind of things. Okay. And uh, I have a buyer lined up for it. I know I don't know what it'll be coming out, but I'm proud of it. It's, it's. No, oh, I think yeah. you have a right to be proud of it. And, uh,. It we is, will warn you, it is a T. Kingfisher. It is not an Ursula Vernon. Therefore, <laughs> she gets to be dark and brooding and all of those things that we love her for, except maybe... It's not as funny as a lot of mine. It, there's no, no, the humor is, is definitely much more subdued. This is, uh, this is more on the... more like um, uh, the... Oh, crap. What was the one with the... Dark birds? Dark birds are the, de- the one with the dead pig. Uh, um, rawhead? Not rawhead. Uh, but uh, razorback. Razorback, yes. Yeah. Uh, I am hoping it makes some people cry. I don't know. Not anyone in particular. I just, you know, occasionally like to... We'll, like we'll to see. I'm, I'm currently reading it. Yes, but uh, I finished it, finally. And I'm proud of that. And I had a deadline on it because of said buyer lined up. And I got it done like a month early. And I wasn't... I hit the point where I was like... I can get this done today if mm-hmm. I sit here and work on it. And it, it was, you know, close to 3,000 words to finish off. But I, once it is that close to being done, it's like you might as well just power through. Right. And so today, I because I had a success, I got to take today off to work on... A project that, yeah, what do you do for fun? I work on a project that no one's paying me for. (laughs) Dear, tell me honestly, am I a workaholic? Maybe a little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is one I've been kicking around for a couple of years, and I wanted to do it as a video game, and I couldn't because it turns out that's, it's not so much that that's hard. I could have handled all of the bits where I wrote the plot and programmed it. I could not handle the notion of being tech support for it for the rest of my life. Right. And that's honestly what keeps stopping me on doing any kind of game programming is I look at this and I go, I cannot be responsible for maintaining it. The thing I love most about books is once I've written them, I never have to write them again. Yeah. And yeah, I would have, it, 
I could see misery lurking in the future. So I took, I'm, I'm stripping out the bits that I really liked, which was mostly the dialogue mm-hmm. with the, uh, the elderly sheep shaman. It's about sheep shamans. It is. <laughs> and, uh, the, the, weird older one who's always talking about his previous apprentices who all seem to have died horribly and i thought okay i could do this as a webcomic and then my brain was like or you could hit yourself in the face with a brick really hard over and over again until you realized never do that correct (laughs) kevin has orders to bury me in the backyard if i start another webcomic only if you start an epic now, if you start a webcomic and it turns into an epic, I think I have to apologize to the fans and bury you in the backyard. Yeah, but I could I could see this. I can see how this one ends. It is a more contained process, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily short. And I figured out the format I kind of wanted to do it in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you all are familiar with uh, the book by Neil Gaiman, Fortunately the Milk, which is this sort of heavily illustrated weird little book where they do fun things with text and whatnot it's it's not a comic but it's also not standard prose on a page and i'm like i could do something like that 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 seems like a good sort of compromise between the two so i started scripting out how that would look and maybe later tonight as we watch some kind of TV show or yeah. other, I will try doodling a couple pages and see what happens. Yeah, we've we've gone through all of the Midsummer murders that are available. We're completely caught up on Father Brown. We watched The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, we'll probably watch some more Lords and Ladles, which we haven't yeah. watched or a little bit. Or The Great of... British Bake Off, I'm told. Everyone loves that show yes. so much that I have the knee-jerk, you know, suspicion of it, but maybe it's a we cult. should try it. I'm, you know, if you listen to me, everything's a cult. I'm not a reliable narrator. I, people. I, wanna, I see cults everywhere. I, I want to do more of Lords and Ladles because some of the ancient recipes or the the you know the pre-modern times recipes are fascinating. They use all everything but the oink of pigs and the one. This may be a little graphic, just a warning. The one where they were, like, boiling pig testicles. I was just like, this is fascinating. I didn't know how you made those. Uh, I think it was lamb testicles, but yes. Uh, well, no, they, I think they had pig testicles in another one, but still. Yeah. There were a lot of testicles going on. Yeah. Uh, yes, that would that would work, and then maybe we could watch some Bleach. She's not going to be satisfied until I watch Bleach. He said he didn't like the Soul Society arc, people. And, like, 20 of you just yelled... At the the radio or the headphones or whatever, but that was the best one, and you're right, it was. That is why Kevin is wrong, and his wrongness must be corrected, and his nose rubbed in the wrong. Anytime it feels like a story arc or a fight is being dragged out unnecessarily into multiple episodes... Oh, that was just Zoraki. And that was where it lost me, because after Dragon Ball Z, where you would have an epic fight, but that epic fight was half the goddamn season, you're just like, I'm done now. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, but see, now you can do it while playing video games, so you only have to look up occasionally and see if anyone's dead yet. That's fair. We'll we'll see. I mean, I I saw right up to about that point anyway, so we'll see. I loved Soul Society. I, uh, I, I loved... Uh, the Captain and Pink, 
whose name I should be able to remember since I've written fucking Bleach fanfic and it's not coming out. So how does Ursula reward herself when she has completed a goal or had a great success? She forces me to watch Bleach. <laughs> well, lucky for you, there's like 300 episodes or something so I can reward myself for successes for years to come. And on that note, perhaps we should go to the interview. Yeah, so like I said, <laughs> uh, I got to sit down at uh, WindyCon in front of a live audience after some hiccups getting all the stuff connected so that we could actually record. And the, te the checks I've done, the recording is absolutely fantastic. I talked to my friend Dee Rodriguez and her daughter Megan. And they it's very interesting because they have different ways of keeping themselves organized. Dee has been a stay-at-home mom who does a lot of volunteer things. Megan is a med student. And she's almost done with her residency point of med student. Wow. So, yeah, exactly. And so they're, it's really different, and it was fantastic to talk to them. So we're going to do that right after this. folks and i will i will warn you right now uh one of our introductions is normally we do this in front of a live household full of pets uh this is in front of a live convention audience there's not very many of you but i expect you to be enthusiastic can we be enthusiastic there we go all right <laughs> um so hey um d and megan who's i i know your name it's just not cemented in yet um <laughs> Can you guys introduce yourselves a little bit and tell me about what it is you, just a little bit about what you do. So Megan, you get to go first. I get to go first? You get to go first. Oh, well, okay. Um, so my name's Megan. I am a medical student, which means I don't do very much at all. Um, so aside from doing all of my studying and being in a hospital for far more hours than I want to be there, um, also just generally a nerdy person, a crafty person, a gamer. So that basically describes literally all of my waking hours. I think I know most of you. <laughs> I'm D. Taylor Rodriguez. I am mostly at home taking care of husband, her household. Yes, I know you don't live there anymore. And when do one of these days I will stop doing things. You'll probably live in a different state by then. I am also the second in command in a 501c7 organization department. He's asleep. <laughs> um, I am the second in engineering in your local bar fleet chapter, so I hope to see you all later tonight. All right. I'll be stopping by. I love bar fleet. So the big question that we ask every time, the first and most important question, how do you keep yourself organized? And uh, Megan? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a very fun question for medical students because the answer is, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Um, 
Medical school is a particular kind of hell where you're doing a very structured study routine for the first two years and you forget how to organize yourself because you're given all these things to do. And then you're dumped into a hospital for two more years. And then you have to schedule everything all by yourself and everything changes approximately every four weeks. So you have a new schedule <laughs> all the time. So basically I keep myself organized however is appropriate for what I'm doing at the time. Um, that said, I have a couple of things that are the absolute center of my life. Um, I am a digital person. I literally have notes for this panel on my phone right now. Um, I Anything that I need in my life has to come in digital form because in a hospital, in a clinic, you don't always get to keep your stuff with you, but you can almost always have your phone with you. Um, so I've had to learn to put everything there. That said, I have a little paper notebook full of, I need to do math now, or I need to write something down really quick. And it's in my purse when I'm allowed to have it. <laughs> um, I use a combination of Google products. So obviously Google Calendar, which is wonderful because everyone can know where I am and that please, please stop texting me. I can't answer the phone. Uh, I use a lot of other Google products. Google Drive is like saves my butt all the time because I can access any file that I need from any computer, which if you've ever done a lot of stuff in a hospital, you know that getting to your own laptop is almost impossible, but there are computers everywhere. You can log in to anything. Um, so Google Drive like saves my life all the time. <laughs> um, but I also use, I use Trello. And I use, I am a Habitica person. Yeah, I am, I am a Sorry. like painfully forgetful person. So Habitica, the ability not just to schedule things like every four days, but also be like the third Saturday of the month. It reminds me to do things. Oh my gosh. It's the most wonderful thing. <laughs> and, and for those of you who may not be regular listeners or don't know, I'm a big fan of Habitica. Habitica is the habit RPG. So if you go to Habitica.com, you get a little character, and he starts as level one with no skills or nothing. And as you add tasks or daily repeating things, you want to make habits, and you check them off, you gain experience. If you don't complete everything in a day, you get a health hit. So you take damage. As you evolve, you can go on quests. As you level up, you can join a party. You can earn, I'm currently earning mounts and pets. And that's, I have to complete all of them. And there are a lot of them in there. So I'm, I'm completionist and grinding, but I love it because it's fun and it, it's, it's just sort of like, uh, you get a little dopamine hit. Oh, I'm checking off that I recorded the podcast today and boom. Oh, look, I got a little experience and I got a little gold reward. So now I can go buy better armor, that sort of thing. Yeah. So aside from, aside from giving you wonderful little colorful dopamine hits, um, it also, it also lets you keep track of things like, you know, I literally am terrible about forgetting things like, you know, here's my toothbrush in three months. I need to replace it. I don't forget now because Habitica reminds me it is wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. I recommend it to everyone. Um, trying to think anything else. Oh, uh, I don't know if anyone ever has a problem with this. You write something down or you get a little pamphlet and it's got really important information for you. And you're like, where did it go? I can't find it. The answer is you take a photo on your phone and you make a folder with all that stuff in it because then it's on your phone and you never lose it. This is super important. 
for people like me. Okay. I think that's everything. Mine's way shorter. Habitica, Google Calendar, Trello. Between those three, I've got everything. And I see you have a planner. Is your planner part of your organizational system? And only sort of, this is, I've been carrying this since I read How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci about 10 years ago. And it is the place that I always have paper to write things down. I always have graph paper to sketch things out because I wind up graphing out a lot more things than I ever thought I would. Um, it is the place where I keep, like, I think I'm still sitting on the note from a car accident that was in the fall of 2016. Um, so I don't clean it out as often as I should, but it's got all the things, except it didn't get notes for this panel because I've been too busy throwing parties. I did. You did. Yeah. Go to work. So I, and if this did, that didn't get picked up on the microphone, I'm going to be very disappointed. Um, so on top of all of that, what systems and habits are important to you? What, uh, and we talked about Habitica is a system and it's building habits. Um, what else would you go into, Megan? Um, so on a personal level, I'm very forgetful. So this one over here has trained me to write everything down. Even if it seems ridiculous and like maybe I'm totally going to remember this later. I want one of those people who be having a conversation be like oh my god this is such a great idea talk and talk and talk about it and then five minutes later when we've started some other really interesting conversation will be like what were we just talking about it was important i was gonna do something about that gone forever um so write everything down but the number two habit that goes with that is look at your notes make a habit of looking at the stuff that you wrote down that's the hard one um because between those two things, you can generally adapt to any situation. That is the medical part of my life. <laughs> Every situation you're in probably has its own system. And that's okay. It's going to be frustrating. The learning curve is sharp. But if you fail fast to find the systems that work for you, just be prepared to try stuff out and adapt to what's around you. Because... No matter where you are, you can still find a way to make things work. You just have to write things down and try out what's around you. <laughs> and I taught her to write things down because it annoyed the living daylights out of me that she couldn't remember anything. Uh, I know, but I don't. Uh, I, I, I do, but I don't. If I, um, well, and I do, but there, it's. There's a microphone in my hand, therefore I like automatically self-censor. When the first time you had a microphone in your hand, you were five years old. You yeah. you learned to self-censor really quick because somebody's always paying attention to what you're saying. Um, I am one of those people that I, I freely admit everybody probably hates because I have a really exceptional memory. So I do not develop the kind of systems that other people do because I will remember, okay, I get up. What? I do have migraines now, and that's been problematic because I never developed systems. <laughs> so I do write things down, but other than that, it's the I 
just my system for a lot of things is it's I know what I have to do next because I remember it. Okay. Or you write it all down in your book. I do write things down. Not as many as mm-hmm. you think. Yeah. Which is the one thing I will say. Yeah. As a person who writes lots of things down, don't write them down in a lot of different places. Write them down all in the same place. <laughs> Have one notebook as much as you can because I'm a person who loves notebooks. And so I have a bunch of them and, a, and I spent a decent chunk of time being like, this one's pretty. I'll use it for this thing. And then never knowing where it was. So try to find one. Curb the impulse to buy all the shiny notebooks and just have one. <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> but both of them, actually. So how do you decide on a given day what to do first? Start with her this time? Yeah, okay. Okay, point A is do I have a deadline? Because if I have a deadline, that's going to be at the top of the list. Um, I don't have a lot of deadlines, thankfully. You know, they, everybody has the time to pay bills this month deadline. We Most of us have events deadlines. And beyond that, my time is pretty free form. So beyond that, it becomes what am I interested in doing today? I have an ungodly number of boards on my Trello board. (laughs) And a lot of times it's okay. I haven't worked on anything like this in a while. I haven't pulled up photos that need editing in, oh, six months. I should probably do that for a couple weeks. (laughs) That. It's really just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had her go first because I have a sort of long if then tree that is how I do my life. Um, because one, do I have a rotation? If so, first thing in the morning is suffer through the CTA to get to the hospital and then do whatever, with, do whatever they tell me to do. This is a very simple part of my life. This is, this is the easy part of the tree. Uh, if they don't have anything for me to do, then do I have an assignment? Do my assignment. If I don't have that, then everything starts getting messy. <laughs> because I am one of those people who I have too many things that I like to do, the ability to produce ideas far faster than I could physically get them done, and no time to get anything done. So I tend to try to structure myself Obviously, with deadlines in mind, I kind of create a reverse timeline based on all my deadlines. Which one is next? How long do I t- does it actually take to get that done? Okay, that will only take two days, and it's seven days away. So for the next five days, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> um, but then I also am really bad about, I've got these five different projects I want to work on. I mean, conceptually, I want to work on them. But today, I don't really want to do any of them. Ooh, look, this new project. I'm going to do that one. (laughs) So I use a lot of what people are making me do to structure the majority of my days. And other than that, I tend to do what is the thing that is going to make me feel happy today. And doing the thing that makes you feel happy today is an underrated way to decide it. Everybody, I mean, this you you may be one of the first people I've talked to who said, what will make me happy today? And that's what I'm doing. Um, because uh, <clears throat> overall, we tend to think of things like, I need to get this done and that done because they need to be done. 
but it's it doesn't fall into the the sort of the self care of what will make me happy, and I, I think that's an important thing to kind of emphasize out there. Yeah. Steals back. Yeah. So I'm gonna tangent a little bit for a moment. Just prepare yourselves. So I um uh actually one of one of my favorite podcasts that I found is Happier by Gretchen Rubin, and she's got this whole framework for how you do habits and blah blah blah. I'm a rebel, so. <laughs> Basically, what that means is I do what I want. Even if I told myself I'm not going to do the thing, if today I want to do the thing, I do the thing. So this is one of my problems with my life. But because of some of that, because of how I've seen other people react, I've also developed one of my overall life things is that people don't take care of themselves. They make sure that they're paid. They make sure that they're fed, but they don't make sure that they're well. And there are many facets to wellness and occasionally accepting that, you know, maybe I need to mow the grass, but also I want to read a book. (laughs) That's okay. The grass will wait. The grass doesn't care if you mow it. (laughs) Your brain cares if you abuse it because the brain is delicate and we all think of ourselves as resistant to all these things and I, I can tough through it and I will be fine and I can tell you from both psychological and neurobiological aspects, that's a lie. <laughs> your brain, your brain will up and, and decide it's not going to work right anymore if you don't give it enough of what it wants. So take this, take this as a, as a semi medical opinion that it's okay to take care of yourself. And your brain and read a book if that's what you want to do and you have the time to do it. Awesome. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, so that actually sort of leads into what is the best advice or feedback you've been given? Do you have another list? I have a giant list she of She actually feedback. took time to make a list. This, Should is I, my sh- biggest, this is my biggest category. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't narrow it down. That's that's fine. What I'm going to do then is I'm going to give it to D first. I'm going to give it to your mom, and then we'll get to you. Because <laughs> I have short answers. So the most useful thing anyone ever told me, this is going to sound horrible as I explain it, and I suppose in ways it is. When I was about five years old, my grandmother was staying with us, and I was a horrible child. I learned to read too young. I learned to do a lot of things very young, and I would get bored very easily. And I wasn't yet to the point where I was good at learning to entertain myself. So I'm bored. Grandma's sitting reading a book. And man, interrupting Grandma when she was reading a book was a bad plan. I was five. I did it anyway. And I said, Grandma, I'm bored. I need something to do. She looked at me dead in the face and said, you're not bored, you're boring. I do not have a cousin who has not received this same statement. We've compared notes. But Grandma says I'm boring. So maybe I should do something about that because boring is a bad thing to be. And I think I went to my room and read a book because, I, like I said, learned to read too young. Um, but it has served me very well. If I get bored, I find something to do. And it keeps me from... Sometimes it keeps me out of trouble. Sometimes it gets me ratted out by one of my own cousins. <laughs> and beyond that, there's a Winston Churchill quote that is just the thing that always keeps us going. So if you're going through hell, keep 
going. <laughs> All right. That is beautiful and succinct, and I can never keep myself that succinct. I'm a rambler. So, uh, the, I gotta ask, do you have bad penmanship because you're, do they teach you bad penmanship for doctoring? They don't teach it. It's just one of the preferred aspects when you apply. <laughs> yeah, I already had it. I was, I was good there. I, I am actively working to improve my handwriting. It's not really working, but I'm trying. <laughs> um, so sort of like I was saying before, take care of yourself because, uh, you can't pour from an empty cup. It's a phrase I have heard many times and I love, and I think it's a beautiful way to remind people that if you can't give yourself 10 minutes, you, you can't give anybody else any time. You're, you're going to run out, and that's okay. Take care of yourself. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out if there's, like, best. There's best categorically, right? So, so in general, in general, there's, there's two, two pieces of advice that – this one mostly taught me that I think are wonderful. One, there's no perfect anything. Everything has flaws. If something is better for you. It might be worse for someone else. That's fine. Everything, everything comes in, in positives and negatives. Just work with it. It's fine. Doesn't mean it can't be improved. But even as you improve something, it develops new flaws. And that's okay. Um, also, everything is a spectrum. <laughs> stuff doesn't have to be the worst and then the best stuff can be okay <laughs> that's that's okay if you're if you're working on something and you're you know working on a skill you don't go from terrible i don't know how to hold a pencil to drawing beautiful masterpieces you work your way up that spectrum and that's okay you're gonna have moments where you look at something and you're like this is this is kind of okay that's cool. That's the step from terrible to really good. It's one of those steps you got to get there. Which also on on the crafty side of things, if you don't know how to do something, learn. Literally everything in human history was done by someone who didn't know how at first. So never ever feel like you can't do something. Because everything that has been done was done by someone who didn't know how and learned. So. And, and just as an aside, because I'm a smart ass somewhere out there, you got to remember is the guy who figured out how to open up and eat lobsters. And that guy <laughs> is like probably one of the bravest, most unsung heroes of history <laughs> because that had to be terrifying. And he had to be terrible at it the first couple tries. So that is I would agree with you more if I liked lobster. Yeah. <laughs> crab. Crab had same thing. That's true. Crab. Crab. I do. I do love crab. I do seriously question the sanity of whoever ate the first sort of joke. <laughs> I appreciate them, but also question them a little bit. Like, were they starving? Is that how that happened? Probably. I don't know. Um, let's see. Where else was I on my list? I seriously have a long list. I'm trying to paraphrase it for you people. Um, I will go, uh, the next thing is if you're in a, in a group trying to make things happen, make the thing you want the default setting where humans don't have to add energy to the system. Like voter registration, right? Instead of being the thing where you want people to vote, so you make people register, 
automatically register everyone so that all they have to do is exist and then they do the thing that you want because people tend to default their lowest energy state <laughs> so make that lowest energy state the one you want them to be in just from an organizational tip that totally has never been a problem for me in the past <laughs> Um, and then I will throw my, my general one, uh, learn to enjoy your own company. This, my, my great grandmother here being the inspiration for this one. Um, life is full of really boring moments where, you know, you're commuting or waiting in line or doing all these things. Like, you're the only person who's going to be there for you all the time, always for the rest of your life. Learn to like yourself. If you have things about yourself that you don't like, that doesn't mean they're bad. Maybe you just need to forgive yourself for them and and me, me, make a peace with yourself. That's okay. I mean, maybe you feel like I eat too many chocolate chip cookies and I really need to stop. That's Maybe that's okay to stop. But I also really love chocolate chip cookies. So maybe just don't feel bad about eating chocolate chip cookies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Learn, learn, learn to love who you are and enjoy your own company because that's the easiest way to be happy on the, a given day. And then from, from a medical perspective, because I have a microphone and the power, <laughs> learn your body, learn your brain. Because as a medical person, I can tell you that I will ask you questions. I will ask you, how are you, how are you feeling? Have you felt more fatigued or any of these things? All of these questions are relative to your default normal state. So if you don't know what your default normal state is, I can't help you because I don't know if maybe you're not sleeping a lot, but you don't normally sleep a lot. And so you're actually fine. <laughs> or that thing that I think is a symptom of a really concerning disease is nothing. <laughs> Or that thing that I'm thinking, oh, this person's blood pressure is totally normal, but this is a person who actually runs really low, and I should actually be really, really worried about why your blood pressure is now at 130. I won't know. So learn how your body works. Learn your normal. And learning your brain is really hard. I will say there is an amount that the brain is like a puppy and an amount that it's like a computer. Okay, you can train it. Neuroplasticity is a beautiful thing. You can train yourself into certain stuff, but the brain is a biological thing. It has default programs that it runs. So there are parts of your brain you can't change, and that's okay. That's how brains work. But there are parts of your brain that you can learn maybe I do this particular thing because I have this reaction every time I see something, and you can slowly train yourself out of having that reaction. So learn how your brain works. Working with your with the brain you actually have is far better for you than trying to work based on a system that isn't the one you're working with. That is going to make you so unhappy. So learn your body. Learn your brain. Oh, my God. That was heavy. <laughs> I love it. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's taken me years to figure out learning my body and my brain. And uh, even then, uh, after learning my brain and learning how broken it was, better living through chemistry, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so <laughs> I, will, I will live and die now by my SSRI. So, yeah. 
So now the the thing is, I, I'm starting to give people a choice on the last two questions, mm-hmm. okay? Because I used to do it first the happy but hard, difficult one, and then the sad but easy one. And this is after 70-some episodes, this is the feedback I've gotten, is there's the happy but difficult and the sad but easy. Which one do you want first? Then I will, then, then we will end on a high note. I will start by asking the sad question, but usually the easy answer. Um, how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? And for background, I'm a big proponent of, uh, Howard Taylor's Maxim 70 from Schlock Mercenary, which is, of course, failure is not an option. It is mandatory. Uh, what is optional is what you do after. And I'm paraphrasing some. I have the challenge coin with the whole quote on it. Um, but, uh, but, but that's, that's why I ask about failure because it's important. Everybody fails and there's no avoiding it. So what do you do? Uh-oh. <laughs> See, she's learned. Um, <laughs> perhaps. So the short pithy answer is I go to Disney World. <laughs> when, when I am at the, Everything has gone wrong. I'm done now. I go to Disney World, and that is a privilege that I have. And sometimes I feel like I go too often. Beyond that, I just get back up and keep going because, you know, some of that is the way I grew up. I have a largely Germanic family, (laughs) and you don't dwell on it. You just keep going. And that's not always the healthiest thing you can do, but... It's the way I was raised. And sometimes it's just, okay, I'm done. I failed the thing. Can I repeat the thing? The thing is over. This is done. Okay, that's done. I'm going to take some time and take care of what I do next, how I get there, and keep going. Um, I will totally agree with that. Our family has some very German attitudes about things. Um, I love them all. Um, so my answer kind of comes down to two things because failure slash goals, those are uh, subjective terms. Um, so when I do something and it didn't have the effect I wanted and I feel like embarrassed about it because I have anxiety, I ruminate. Oh my God. There are moments in my past that I will die remembering with perfect clarity about how I said just the wrong thing. So, yeah. So there are things where I feel like I'm not qualified to help people answer this. Like, oh, this embarrassing thing happened to me in a social situation. What do I do? I don't know. (laughs) I would love that answer too. So on that level, I mean, as, as a person who has studied mental health, there's no real good answer. But sometimes the answer is you just you have to learn how to forgive yourself. I'm not good at that yet, but you have to you have to forgive yourself for failing. And when I didn't have an emotional reaction to something, which is the majority of my life, which is for the best, uh, I try to always learn from whatever happened. I um was raised with the philosophy that I didn't have a word for until I really appreciate the Kaizen model. Oh, yeah. Nothing is perfect. Everything can be improved, which means yeah. everything that happens to you is an opportunity to make it either the bad thing not happen again or to improve something that you didn't know was broken. 
So I try to always take those missteps and look for why did they happen? You know, was I, was I like really, really hungry and I was not paying attention to something I needed to? Okay, cool. Eat earlier in the day. You know, sometimes, sometimes the, the answer to failure is really simple, but sometimes the answer is really complicated, really, really complicated. So I sort of run these, uh, we, we, use the PDSA cycles um, in hospitals. So I sort of do that in my brain over stuff. You don't always have a, an opportunity in a hospital to try again. But <laughs> PDSA, what does that stand for? Uh, it's uh, plan, do, I always forget this, act, study, act. That's right. Um, this is the problem with hospitals. You use so many acronyms, sometimes you forget what they stand for. You remember, yeah, you remember the thing, but the actual acronym, you're like, uh, it's the thing where this and the, yeah. Um, so that's basically, you know, whenever you have a situation in a hospital, something happened, someone got the wrong medication or took too long for them to get their medication. There's a, a complicated process of figuring out where the system broke down. <laughs> who, who, ultimately knows where the problem was asking everyone involved trying to come up with a new system that might work better trying it out looking at if that new system actually worked redesigning the system trying that one out it's kind of a circular thing yeah yeah continual improvement yeah absolutely yeah and and that's kind of just how i try to look at everything because I'm in some ways that's my life philosophy. Like I said, nothing is perfect. Everything can be improved in some aspect, or maybe, you know, what I need to do is accept that this particular aspect of failure is just okay with me. And I'm going to, I'm going to let that go and not ruminate. Rumination is the, the devil I try to avoid. Yeah. Only cows and goats should ruminate. Exactly. And uh, for those listening at home, no goats, there will be no goats at my house. Um, <laughs> There, there's a long explanation around that, and we're running a little short on time. The chickens showed up, and they stayed. Yes, but then the chickens were a special circumstance. Um, so, all right. For our final question, often the one people find the hardest to answer, do you celebrate your successes, and if so, how? And 90% of the people I talk to, their answer is, I'm terrible at this. So let's find out. D, do you go to Disney World? Well, sometimes I go to Disney World when we succeeded, too. <laughs> I spend a lot of time at Disney World if I can. Um, I am only mediocre at this. The small successes, it's just, it was the thing you expected to happen, and you keep going. And I'm trying to get better about the big things, and I'm trying to treat that more as a, okay, I'll keep myself a little list of when I hit a milestone about something, I can buy the nifty new pen or spend an hour with my Lovinger catalog and actually buy something this time or, you know, take a trip somewhere I haven't been. But it's taken me a long time to get there, but it, I was raised to believe success was the thing that happened. <laughs> so it wasn't a thing you celebrated because it was what happened. You, you hit, you hit the milestone. 
you kept going. And that was the thing that really annoyed me about the way I was raised versus the way my younger sister was raised, which would seem odd because we grew up in the same house. But it seems odd for everyone who doesn't know my grandfather. <laughs> May he rest in peace. Um, I was the kid you all hated in school. I was a straight A student. I my test scores were phenomenal. It was the foregone conclusion was that I would keep doing that. I brought home a B once. Once. And my father just about went through the roof. My sister brought home straight C's that semester, and that was fine. We were treated as if we had accomplished the same thing. And it kind of warped how I deal with success, which I, I hope I hope I did better with my own kids. <laughs> um, but that's really it. I, I'm getting better at it. I will c- celebrate the big things, at least. So as one of said kids, I can say you definitely did better. Um, I loved my grandfather so much, but he was a difficult man to please. Um, but also being my grandfather, he did have an impact on this a little bit. So I am not miraculously better at this than you. Um, because as one of those kids who had high expectations that I just kept meeting, uh, I sort of just, that was sort of just what you do. Um, you did do a good job though of, of trying to always make there be something that I got when I met a goal. Um, wasn't always big. Sometimes it was just, you know, we, it was just ice cream. I am a person easily motivated by ice cream. So that sounds like, it sounds like a small, small benefit, but for me it was huge. Um, so I have, I have a little trouble where little successes sometimes, no, I do a little dance. I'm like, you know, I got this question right and I feel good. And I sort of, you know, it's inside of my head, it's a little party with fireworks and streamers, but you know, on the outside, nothing's happening. Um, but I tend to try to celebrate milestones a little more than successes when I, when I hit bigger goals or, or things that are all steps along a, a greater path. So when I was, um, a first year medical student, we had a lot of exams. Like so many exams. <laughs> I have a desktop monitor that I don't use anymore, but I'm not sure when I will ever be emotionally prepared to part with it because every time I passed an exam, I put a sticker on it. And it's one of those sort of square ones. It's like, like, yeah, it's a square 24 inch monitor. So the sides of that monitor were pretty big. Okay. And the stickers I was using were not huge, but both of the vertical sides of that monitor are covered in little gold stickers because over the course of two years, I took 45, 50 exams. A lot of them I took in two-week spurts where I took eight exams. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever whenever people talk about, oh, I want to be a doctor – It's a wonderful privilege. It is a beautiful thing to be able to do, but it is the best worst thing I have ever done to myself. Um, so I have, I have learned when stuff is rough to give myself something, some little thing, little stickers, um, to try to celebrate the milestones. We do a lot of food. We do. 
Like, like when, when I have a big, a, like a big test, like the MCAT, we would, we went out for fondue. It was, it was wonderful. I mean, we probably eat fondue more than the normal person, but it felt, it felt more special than regular fondue. <laughs> <laughs> we saved the meatballs. I mean, the Brazilian steakhouse for for the big ones, because you know we have to have an excuse to eat that much food in one sitting. So, yeah. So I aside aside from food, I mean, it also obviously, if my mother will occasionally buy herself a thing, I wonder where I learned that habit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I just gotta you know you find something based on what you're doing. Sometimes. Sometimes there's a thing you want and you've, you've had a really rough time and you've gotten through two weeks of eight exams. And so you buy yourself the thing. (laughs) And the celebration next May when she graduates is going to be epic. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to Disney world. (laughs) So. Yeah. So that's, that is the, the end of the, the interview portion. And in order to get the scheduling for the uh, actual, the rest of the event going on around us back on track, since we started a little late, we've got about two minutes um, before we technically end. Is there someone in the room after us? Oh, well, then if we go long, we go long. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go check. Huh? What you're saying is I could have rambled. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's fine. There's an hour gap. Great. Uh, in that case, we have time to say, "Hey, do you guys have any questions for me, for our panelists, or for my for my lovely guests, Megan and Dee? Um, you know, do you guys want to give give talk about uh, take a chance and say, "Hey, what you do to keep yourself productive?" If there are no takers, then uh, I'm going to... Oh! See, I'm going to walk out in the microphone because I love doing this. I love doing this. This is my favorite part of doing these live is coming out. All right, so uh, so you are and... Um, I asked, like, um, like, how do you know, like, how long it will take you to do something? Because that's something I always have trouble with. <laughs> oh, that, that... See, now... So that's, that's actually really a tough one. Um, well, there, there, there are a couple answers. Uh, one, yeah, Agile has an answer for that. If you, if you do programming and, and Agile, um, then there are several methods for determining. I, frankly, if I'm going to be doing it more than once, um, if I'm going to do it like five times, or I know I'm going to have to repeat whatever it is I'm doing, I'll do it once and I'll sort of measure it, right? Now, I know that time is going to get shorter over time as I do it, um, but... Uh, there are a couple things. There's a, a piece of paper called the Emergent Task Planner, right? And if you've got um, tasks that you're doing a lot of or, or repeating, it has little blocks where you can mark off like 15 or 20-minute time blocks as you're doing it. So at the end, you can say, oh, yes, I, I, I had to, um, you know, I had to write a report for finance or, you know, I had to do a thing for my chemistry class or something like that. That took me 25 minutes. Okay, so I know it's going to take me probably 25 minutes to do this report next time. Uh, I've got, or a similar report. I've got, um, I'm going to mow the lawn. Okay, let's go mow the lawn. Let's go mark off. You know, it's a little harder to mark off on the paper when you're mowing the lawn, but you get the idea. Uh, oh, that takes two hours, so I'll just have to put two hours aside for it. Um, 
And that, that's really handy if you're doing a lot of repetitive tasks. If it's something you've never done before, frankly, I research the living crap out of it, right? Like, um, I recently got an Instant Pot. I love my Instant Pot. The timing on the Instant Pot is not perfect when they look at the recipes. Yes, this should take two minutes to, or ten minutes to naturally release. No, it takes 40 minutes for the pressure to drop and for it to release naturally. But the the initial estimates in the recipes are really good. They're like, yes, this should take you about 15 minutes to prepare and then 15 minutes under pressure, and it'll it should take you about 45 minutes to cook, right? They're usually pretty good at that. So I, I look at things that either other people have done before or similar tasks, and I base sort of my time estimates on that, and I usually, because I'm an IT and I've been a contractor, double it, yeah. right? Because because it will always take longer than you think it will, um, which is why the, the emergent task thing is really useful, because if you think it's going to take 20 minutes and you mark it off and it turns out it took 45, oh, hey, now I know next time. Right? Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? The double it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> However long you think it's going to take the first time, double it. It's probably still not enough time. Um, I am horrible about I will sit down and believe I can make a thing in an hour. And there are a lot of things I can do in an hour. But time kind of becomes wibbly wobbly in there. And I think it was going to take me an hour and it's an hour and a half, two hours later and I'm done. But um, I also suffer from this particular inability to gauge my own time, um, which partially comes from my uh, absolute lack of a sense of time. So I will do a thing and I'll be like, oh, that totally took me half an hour. No, no, Megan, that took you two and a half hours. You just weren't looking at the clock during any of that time. Um, but as a crafty person, I will say I have sort of the general rule of, of double however long you think it's going to take is a beautiful rule. Use it all the time. Um, but as a crafty person, the first time you're doing something, right, the first time, like, I started knitting, like, a lace pattern, for example, you want to give yourself more than double the time. Because the main brain problem that humans have is we go, oh, this will take an hour. Because if everything goes correctly, it will take an hour. But your brain doesn't default to everything is going to go to hell. <laughs> and as a crafty person, pretty much every project at some point looks like you're going to need to light it on fire. So just give yourself more than double the time. If you need to, like triple or quadruple. Like, do not be afraid to just assume something's going to go wrong. You're going to have to undo it or start over. That's okay. That's how crafting works. But please don't light things on fire. This is how people get burned and end up in the ER. And you know a lot about burns in the ER. It's not a pleasant thing. Um, yes. Oh, oh. Uh-huh. Adding on to this. Okay. Here you go. Doubling your estimate? Not a bad way to start. Track what the actual is especially if it is something you're going to do again. If you don't track it and you don't measure it, you can't change it. And that's absolutely critical to getting good estimates. Uh -oh. <laughs> Interception. Uh, I would say that if you are dealing with a longer project you haven't done before, 
that you should um, try to set up some some milestones in there. Uh, try to see if you can figure out what would be maybe a quarter done, or uh, this would be a, a I would have to do this fifth five times, and figure out how long that part is taking you, and compare that to what you think it will take overall to get a better sense of how you are estimating. So you can't, you don't have to finish something to be able to use that. You can finish a portion of it to be able to then apply that to the rest. Cool. Okay. Yes. This one isn't so much a question as uh, listening to the podcast. I tried out the emergent task planner for work and that works really well. I'm an accountant and I work in a company. And so all of my work comes from somebody else. And uh, so being able to track how I'm spending my time and what the most important things are to do really helps. Personal life, it's bullet journal with lots of stickers. <laughs> show, show, show them your bullet journal. Bullet, bullet journals are actually really awesome for this because one of the things that they have is they have a couple tips on how to like measure and keep track of how long things take. Yeah. Having, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. So yeah, bullet bullet journals are awesome for that. Yeah. So so how do you how do you fight the the ooh shiny object or as uh, in in up it was always squirrel, yeah. squirrel yeah. Um, that's uh, actually um, for me uh, since I don't have it as bad. Um, I do keep like a list of what I need to do and sort of keep referring back to it to make sure that if I go off on that tangent, uh, that I can, I pull myself back in. Um, I have alarms on my phone to help me do that. <laughs> so, um, and the question is, of course, how do you deal with the ooh shiny object problem? Um, D? Far, far too frequently I follow the shiny object. <laughs> um, but this is why I have 4 million Trello boards. I have and a considerable number of boards on Pinterest. I will take the idea, put it there. It doesn't get away from me. I can come back to it and work on it when I have time. Um, I will say the context of my answer is significant because when I'm in a hospital, I have, I very much have to be like, I had this great idea, but there are people watching me and I can't just dive into my phone right now. So I, take tiny little notes, super short notes, write something down, bookmark it, whatever is your preferred method based on where the shiny object came from. Um, because, you know, <laughs> the context really matters. But honestly, if I'm at home, I don't, I let the shiny objects have their way. Sometimes the shiny object is your brain saying, take a break. And it's okay to take a break. <laughs> Um, and I, I was reminded of a story that uh, the author of Eat, Pray, Love had. I can't remember her name to save my life right now. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. Um, but she, was tell she tells a story in her TED Talk about uh, Tom Waits. So this is apparently a Tom Waits story, really. And Tom Waits, being a creative person, has these ideas hitting him just like constantly, constantly, constantly. And what he did 
as he was like on the freeway and he had an idea for a song. And what he basically did was he said to his brain or the universe at large, he says, okay, this is great. I don't have time for this right now. Come back later. Come back later. We will talk about this when I'm not on the freeway and I can write it down or whatever. Or maybe somebody else needs to sing this song and not me and maybe you can go see that. Um, and apparently that's the strategy that works for her and the strategy that works for Tom Waits is write down really what the shiny is so that you can come back to it later and then go back to what you were doing. Um, which I can admit, if you're on the LA freeway driving, you really just need to pause it because you don't want to... I mean, they're already pretty bad... Drive voice, yeah, voice memo on your phone is also a good thing. Oh, look, here's, yep, no, go look this up later, you know. Um, uh oh, or I will say, uh, as a person who is not, I don't like driving, so whenever I'm driving, I try not to do anything involving my phone whatsoever. But a lot of people, their cars will let you do things like call someone, so have a designated note taker. <laughs> Have someone who you call when you can't take the notes because you're driving, and they take notes for you. Or someone to ride shotgun and take your notes. I did actually used to keep a Phillips voice recorder in my car for this. Yeah, I've I've sent many an email from me to my mother with a note that was the thing she wanted to remember because neither of us had paper at the time and we were in a car. <laughs> Yay! Comment or question? Alternative perspective, okay. which is uh, I have like way more. I write a little and I have a lot more story ideas than I have any time to get to. For a while, I started trying to keep track of them, which is like, oh, this is a cool idea. I just give up on it. Like I have so many ideas. I'll have more. So I just sort of accept that, uh, you know, if it's really important, it'll come back to me again. And if I if it doesn't, then I probably didn't need it. So, the, you know. Okay, uh, any more questions or tributes or volunteers? Uh, no? What's that? <laughs> Have I ever heard of Two Second Lean? No. Tell us about Two Second Lean. It's a program that's, um, it was a gentleman who would, uh, works with FastCap, was the name of the company, mm -hmm. and he was looking at trying to break things down and simplify it. So you look at the process and what, what extra parts in there or can you get things together so that when you're processing things, you know, he did simple things like uh, in the kitchen when he's trying to make his uh, coffee. Okay. Well, if I'm going to make the coffee, I need the cream and the sugar. So he put them together. So he would try and remove a step to try and simpler things, but it, I believe it's on the web and it's all free and such, but uh, two second lean fast cap is a company that he worked for and they've been trying to crunch things down. So I'm, I'm definitely going to add a link to that in the episode notes, and I'll be adding all sorts of links in the episode notes. Um, so we're going to close things out with a thank you very much. If um, For those of you who are present, if you want to claim an open badge for having seen me in person, we issue open badges as part of the podcast. So you can log on to the website, you can enter a little code, and you can get the badge related to the episode based on the, the code you put in. And I issue this for everyone. I have a special badge for people who have seen me or met me in person that I'm going to offer you guys up after I stop recording. Because for those of you who are listening at home now, you're missing out on getting the badge. 
Uh, for D and Megan, I have another badge, which is specifically the I was interviewed badge. I'm going to give them that code uh, separate from everything else. So uh, first off, thank you, D and Megan, for coming out. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's in the audience here. Thank you. This was awesome, and I had a great time. Um, and for those of you listening at home, we'll be right back. back in the studios i gotta say first off thank you to WindyCon for accepting my submission of recording productivity alchemy live at your event it was a lot of fun thank you to d and megan i had an amazing time talking to you and i can't wait to see you both at the next event we're all at again congratulations to d for becoming a member of the dorsi regulars and i think that's all of the thank yous i can possibly give out without just abasing myself on the floor and groveling <laughs> And that makes for terrible radio. It really does. It really does. Although I, I'm always remembered whenever somebody says it of the original Danger Mouse, uh, Quark had a robot, right? Quark the alien had a robot, and the robot's name was Grovel. And every time he said Grovel, it would fall on its face, rolling on the ground, going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Master. And there was this whole thing, sort of like a who's on first, except he would be like, Grovel, clunk, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Master. Get up. Now, Grovel, I want you to do, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Master. Look, when I say Grovel, don't, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Master. It was, it's absolutely hysterical, because there's also this thick Scottish brogue for Quark as well, which I, I'm not going to try to replicate, because my friend uh, uh, Fox Amore had very bad things to say about my attempts at a brogue. <laughs> and rightly so. And rightly so. Okay, so our... Badge code for this week is live show. And for those who are listening for the first time or have forgotten, and if you're a regular listener, you haven't forgotten, so you might just fuzz out for a minute or two. It's okay. Yeah. We issue Mozilla open badges here at Productivity Alchemy, which are images with embedded metadata that explain how you earned said badge, and you can copy it around to other sites and backpacks and things like that. And you go to productivityalchemy.com. There is a, a spot at the bottom of the page for accessing the, the badge, and you just type in live show, and you will get the episode 71 badge, and it's pretty awesome. You can... Support us, if you so choose. On Patreon at Ursula V. You can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash K-S-O-N-N-E-Y. Patreon subscribers will get a free ebook this month as Sword Heart is coming out. It is. And contrary to everything she has said, we are not getting goats at particular sales goals. The she in this case is not me. No, it is It is Andrea, uh, Neolithic Sheep. Our dear friend. Our dear friend. Claiming to all and sundry that if I sell 10,000 copies, I will get goats. This is a foul lie. Horrible. Terrible lie. The not going to happen. The very most that might happen next on the livestock front is miniature turkeys and not for a while. Correct. 
and also the heritage endangered breed of chicken I want to start raising. Yes. But that's that's going to be a while because there are logistics around that that just aren't going to happen anytime soon. And so that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please feel free to share with your friends. You know, you can email me through the contact form at uh, on productivityalchemy.com. I am saving up letters for the December letter show, which is closer than I thought it was going to be. And uh, don't forget that next week we have a drawing. Go us. Next week we are giving away a pair of story clock notebooks. And you have to go back and comment on, was it episode 69? Episode 68? I don't know. I don't remember. It's That's a problem. I should have written it down. If it was 71, then I think 69 is as far away as it could have been. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, yeah, but then live show and blah, blah, blah. So uh, go back and you can comment on episode 69 with, hey, I want the story clock notebook. And we'll be making a drawing for that next week. Also, next week is Thanksgiving. It is. So Jesus, the end of the year is just careening towards us like a truck that has crossed the median. Uh, Sergey, please don't help with the microphone. I, I realize it, that uh, it's been a very eventful year in many, many ways. So uh, to paraphrase Warren Ellis at the end of his weekly, his weekly newsletter, uh, it, it's just going to keep moving faster and hold on tight kids. Cause it's going to be one hell of a ride, but we can do this. We've done it before and we just keep going. So what I say to Ellis that said it, he said, fuck a lot more times. Didn't he? No, he didn't. Oh, he actually really? didn't. No, it was, I was surprising. <laughs> so that's all there is this week, folks. So. And Sergey's trying to to cuddle with the microphone, so we should probably stop. I'm trying. You keep interrupting me. Sorry. Uh, so that's it for this week, folks. We will see you next time. And until then, stay productive. Woo! Sergey.